and welcome to Spanish Answers, a podcast that gives you unas llavitas claves as you unlock your Spanish language adventure. I'm your host, Sarah, with Language Answers, and today in episode 51, we'll be talking about science fiction vocabulary. Do you enjoy reading science fiction, aka sci-fi, or dreaming about space travel? Then today's episode is for you. We'll also continue on the theme for our cultural tip of mythical creatures from Spanish-speaking countries. So, let's begin! Before we start, though, I would really like to apologize. I am so, so, so sorry that this is a late episode. We had some really lovely guests over during the time that I would normally use to record my podcast. And while I tried beforehand to create enough podcasts and to be on top of things, essentially just juggling the baby and unpacking and guest preparation and all of that, it just, yeah, it didn't happen. So I am very sorry for that. But hopefully there's enough good stuff in this podcast episode to make up for my tardiness. So as you probably already know, this two-part series on expanding your vocabulary for fiction literature all came about because of an Anne McCaffrey book. I was trying to read one of her sci-fi slash fantasy books in Spanish, and to my horror, I had no idea what was going on in the first few pages. So what I realized is that a lot of my Spanish vocabulary is really geared towards conversations and academic work and very little of it focuses on the sci-fi and fantasy realms. So I am determined to correct that. And as I'm sure I'm not the only one who has run into this problem, nor the only language learner who loves a really good sci-fi or fantasy book, I decided I would do two episodes dedicated to helping others expand their fiction vocabulary. In the first part, we focused on fantasy-specific terms. So if you want, please check out episode 49 to review those. In this episode, we'll focus on sci-fi. In the following sections, I will include vocabulary for specific things, actions, people and or creatures, places, and things. And then after each section of vocabulary, I've included a mini story to help cement the new vocab in your brain. This format seemed to work for the previous episode on fantasy vocabulary, so I figured I would try it again. But please, let me know your thoughts. Do you love this format? Or would you rather I try something else? Anyway, our first section focuses on actions. So here's a list of various actions that people take during their space adventures. First we have to fly, as in to fly a spaceship. Pretty central to any sci-fi novel, really. And the verb in Spanish is volar, volar, and that's V like Victor, O-L-A-R, volar. And then you have to teleport something from point A to point B without actually moving it all that way, right? It's just almost an instantaneous transportation. So in Spanish, that would be teletransportar, teletransportar, and if you are teleporting a human, it's reflexive. So teletransportarse, teletransportarse. Then you've got to transport. Often spaceships are transporting various cargo to different planets or whatever. So that's transportar. 
transportar. And the captain, right, will pilot his spacecraft. So, pilotar, to pilot, pilotar. Often, there's a lot of explosions, so to explode in Spanish is explotar, explotar. There's also a lot of going back and forth, you know, communicating with alien races or diplomats or whatever. So, to communicate in Spanish is comunicarse con, comunicarse con, note that that is a reflexive verb. Then, if you're going to transmit a message, it's transmitir, transmitir. And, very important for all those planets that are inhabitable to humanity, you have to terraform, terraformar, to terraform, terraformar. And that's basically where you just turn a planet into Earth-ish. You make it so that humans can live on it, terraforming, terraformar. Next, we also have time travel, which is an odd part of sci-fi, but it's there. So this is hacer un viaje en el tiempo. So it's hacer un viaje en el tiempo. And viaje is with a V, like Victor. Now there's a lot of exploring going on. So to explore space, it's explorar. Explorar. There's also the cloning of things, which has a lot of ethical debates around it. So to clone is clonar, clonar. And if you're going to clone a human, you have to have that personal a attached. So clonar a alguien, to clone someone, clonar a alguien. Obviously, there's a lot of analyzing going on in sci-fi. So analizar is to analyze, analizar. To negotiate is negociar, negociar. And sirosleep is criosueño, criosueño, sirosleep, where you're essentially frozen in sleep and is often used in the sci-fi literature, right, for passengers or space travelers who have a very, very long distance to go that takes years and years, but you don't want them to, you know, get there and be really, really old or to have to suffer in a small confined area for that long, so you put them in cryosleep. Criosueño. Now, obviously in sci-fi, it's kind of like the Wild West, but in space, often. So you will have shooting, so disparar, to shoot, disparar. And again, if you're shooting at someone instead of something, you'll need that personal a, so disparar a alguien. Now, I'm sure you're all very familiar with having to set the phaser to a different level. Is it to stun? Is it to kill? What have you set your, your phaser to? So in Spanish, that's configurar el facer. Configurar el facer. And facer is spelled the same way as phaser, with a PH at the beginning. Let's go ahead and do a mini story. Captain Blair sat at the console, silently contemplating the screen. His spacecraft, the barmaid, currently volaba to the planet Terraformado of Lucrania. He estaba transportando much-needed supplies for the colony there, as well as several important passengers who were currently en criosueño. Blair había pilotado the barmaid for several years now, and the two of them had had many adventures while exploraban the outskirts of known space. 
He had watched a planet explotar. Se había comunicado con an alien race that se clonó themselves for propagation and even discovered a marvelous tropical creature with limited abilities para viajar en el tiempo. Yes, he had seen many strange things, and it was his ability to quickly analizar a situation and react accordingly that had kept him alive. The woman on the screen cleared her throat, bringing him back to the present moment. Captain Blair, I ask again, are you willing a negociar the terms of your surrender? She already le había comunicado her expectations, such as teletransportar the entirety of his cargo to her hold. He knew her ship's guns were aimed on his, and there would be limited time before his shields gave way once they began disparar. Negociar for leniency would be futile. He knew too much. Making his decision, he abruptly turned off the screen, transmitió an SOS, and configuró phasers to kill. Next, we have people and creatures. So here's a list of important words regarding different types of people and creatures you might see in a sci-fi book. Obviously, you're going to have the captain of your ship, which is capitán, with an accent mark on that last A, capitán, or capitana, capitana. It's also pretty important to have a doctor around, un doctor, or una doctora, un doctor, or una doctora. Now, Star Wars has definitely revolutionized the sci-fi genre, so Jedi is an important word. Jedi, los Jedi, los Jedi. It's a bit of a weird word. The pronunciation doesn't quite match the spelling like it normally would, but I think that's just because it's taken from English, and in English it's a made-up word, so los Jedi. Then you have spaceman, astronauta astronauta, or you could say cosmonauta, cosmonauta, and with both of these words, it's going to be the same thing whether it's male or female. El astronauta, la astronauta. El cosmonauta, la cosmonauta. Next, we have an empath, someone who can read the emotions of other people. So that's empata, empata. And then someone who can read another person's mind, right, is a telepath. So, telepata, telepata. And for both of these words, again, it doesn't really matter if it's male or female. It's always going to be el or la empata, el or la telepata. Now, there's a lot of explorers in sci-fi. So, explorador or exploradora, explorador or exploradora. There are also many scientists, obviously. Technology and science are very important to sci-fi. Science fiction, right? Científico or científica. Científico or científica. And then you're also going to run into a lot of different kinds of races. And I mean, sci-fi is just full of so much imagination. I love it. And with that imagination, obviously, you've got a lot of different races that tend to lean towards different things. So it's quite common that you'll have insectoids or aliens that look insect-like. And in Spanish, the word is insectil. And 
based on the definition in the RAE, right? The Real Academia Española, that dictionary, insectil really does seem to be the correct word, but based on my research, it doesn't look like that's the most common way of expressing it. Instead, you might see something longer. Instead of saying insectil, they might say con aspecto parecido a insectos. Con aspecto parecido a insectos. Seems a little bit out of the way in my mind. Be just easier to say insectil, but language is funny. Now, you might also run into space pirates. Un pirata espacial. Un pirata espacial. And again, this word also doesn't change, whether it's el or la pirata. Then you've got un clone. Un clone. A clone, right? Un clone. And an android. Un androide. Un androide. An android, robot type creature. And then a mix of the two, a robot and a human, combined together is un cyborg. Un cyborg. Or you might hear cyborg. So it just depends. The Spanish looking spelling is C, I with an accent mark, B like boy, O R G. But you can also spell it the same way it's spelled in English. So un cyborg. And then very important is in artificial intelligence or AI, artificial intelligence, which in Spanish the initials are IA because it's flipped. So in Spanish it's la inteligencia artificial. La inteligencia artificial. Artificial intelligence. And then of course aliens. Can't talk about sci-fi without saying the word alien. So extraterrestre, extraterrestre for alien. In Spanish, they do not use extraterrestre the same way that we use the word alien in English. So in English, an alien can be someone who is foreign-born or is from a different world, right? Different planet. In Spanish, when you're talking about an alien from outer space, it's extraterrestre, el or la, extraterrestre. But if it's a foreigner, then it's extranjero, extranjero or extranjera. Lastly, if a race of aliens looks very reptilian, then it would be reptil or reptiliano or reptiliana. So reptil or reptiliano, reptiliana. So story time. So you want to go on a space adventure, do ya? Well, first you will need a spaceship stocked with un capitán and crew. Every explorador should travel with una doctora in case of emergencies, which will be frequent, and un científico to analyze all of your strange new findings. Some like to travel with una empata as it helps to have someone who understands alien emotions during difficult diplomatic talks. They can prove more useful than los telepatas as alien minds can be hard to read. La inteligencia artificial, IA, has become quite the powerful tool and can help navigate through hyperspace while also making a delicious cup of hot cocoa. As you travel, you might run into various astronautas, perhaps clash with los piratas espaciales, or meet legendary lightsaber-wielding Jedi. There are also a variety of los extraterrestres, with races ranging from los con aspectos parecidos a insectos, with six appendages, to scaly, cold-blooded types reptilianos. You might meet a human clone, or robotic androides, 
or perhaps through some mishap become robotic yourself, gaining a robotic arm or leg and turning into un cyborg. Our next section is a list of important places that you might visit while traveling through space. In sci-fi, there are a ton of alternate dimensions. So many. So an alternate dimension is una dimension alternativa. Una dimension alternativa, with an accent over that last O. Dimension. The Earth is la Tierra, la Tierra, and the Sun is el Sol, el Sol. The beautiful stars are las estrellas, las estrellas, and of course the galaxy is la galaxia, la galaxia. The moon is la luna, la luna, la luna, and the universe is el universo, el universo. And of course, space, el espacio, el espacio. Now, we can't forget about hyperspace, which is essential to traveling very quickly. El hiperespacio, el hiperespacio. And of course, mankind is all about planting colonies all around the different parts of the universe. It's very important to establishing bases on terraformed planets, right? So, la colonia, la colonia. And, of course, can't forget planet, un planeta, un planeta. Then we've got black holes, un agujero negro, un agujero negro. And then you've got wormholes, which can be useful for traveling from point A to point B very quickly in space, right? Un agujero de gusano, un agujero de gusano. Now, you can also call it un agujero espacio temporal. Un agujero espacio temporal. And espacio temporal is hyphenated. Then there are supernovas, right? Una supernova. Una supernova. And ports. El puerto. El puerto. You've got space stations. Las estaciones espaciales. Or one. La estación, with an accent over the O. Espacial. La estación espacial space station, and on every ship there are going to be living quarters. So, las habitaciones, las habitaciones, and that's with an H at the beginning. Another mini-story. Space travel is both rewarding and life-threatening. On one hand, you get to explore el universo, discovering the intricate and strange beauty of various planetas and the intense glow of las estrellas. There is so much more to El Espacio than our own galaxia, including our own Sol and Luna. While La Tierra will always hold a special place in mankind's heart, no matter what exotic colonias man may settle in or strange puertos he might travel to. Truthfully, las habitaciones on la estación espacial can't compare to the blue skies and solid ground of Earth. On the other hand, there are exploding supernovas and deadly agujeros negros, from which no light can escape. Un agujero de gusano might help you quickly travel across the universe, but more often than not, it is just a means of getting hopelessly lost, or worse, of getting trapped in una dimensión alternativa. It is probably safer to just take the longer route and travel through el hiperespacio. Our last section is all about important things or items you'll need to know for your sci-fi journey. Again, 
with space being the Wild West that it is, you'll need a blaster or un blaster, un blaster, spelled basically the same way but with an accent over the A, and un phaser, a phaser, un phaser, again, spelled the exact same way, just pronounced kind of with a Spanish accent, if you will. So un blaster and un phaser. And then a lightsaber, which I'm sure everyone was dying to know what it is. It's un sable de luz. Un sable de luz. Lightsaber. If you are a Star Trek fan, you need to know warp speed, obviously. So warp speed is a una velocidad endiablada. A una velocidad, with a V, like Victor, endiablada. And then a time paradox, which happens all the time in sci-fi, is una paradoja del tiempo. Una paradoja del tiempo. And paradoja has a J at the end there. Paradoja. Often in sci-fi, people are looking for a utopian society, which is utopico or utopica, utopian, utopico, utopica. But often it ends up proving to be dystopian. So dystopico, or dystopica, there's quite a bit of analyzing. So an analysis of something is un analysis, un analysis, with an accent over that second A, analysis. Of course, you need a spaceship to get anywhere. So una astronave, una astronave, or you can call it una nave espacial, una nave espacial. Now, there are always craters on some kind of planet or moon, so a crater is un crater, un crater, with an accent over that A, un crater. And then hyperdrive is extremely important for flying through space at speeds faster than light, right? Hyperdrive, el hiperimpulsor, hiperimpulsor, hyperdrive. And I've included links to the different articles where I got these terms, but on a Star Wars fan site, it also says that you can call hyperdrive un hiperpropulsor or un hipermotor. And warp speed is also known as el desplazamiento por curvatura. You can also call it empuje por curvatura, empuje por curvatura, or just curvatura, kind of like we would just say warp, curvatura. You can also just call it impulso de deformación or impulso de distorsión. And that conversation is completely from Wikipedia. So I normally try not to trust Wikipedia, but when talking about these sci-fi terms, it can get pretty obscure. And this was really the only place I could find something. So if you know of any other sites that are more, shall we say, authoritative on these words, please send them to me. Anyways, carrying on, every ship should have a force field of some kind, right? So a force field is un campo de fuerza, un campo de fuerza. And then there's a lot of words that begin with inter, like intergalactic, interstellar, and interplanetary. And it just means in between. So intergalactic is between galaxies, interstellar is between stars, and interplanetary is between planets. So the translations for these are intergalactico, interestelar, and interplanetario or interplanetaria. 
So intergalactico, interestelar, or interplanetario or interplanetaria. There are meteors, so el meteoro, el meteoro, and satellites, el satélite, el satélite, with an accent over that first E, satélite, and finally, a comet, el cometa, el cometa. So our last mini story of the episode, space, that exciting frontier. More wild than the Wild West, space is full of explorers searching for a place to create a society utopica, but often creating one dystopica. It is now a time full of exciting advancements, such as blasters and fasers that never run out of bullets, or los sables de luz that can slice through almost anything. Los satélites and their never-ending orbit around the Earth are almost a thing of the past. If you have the right astronave, you can travel a una velocidad endiablada, a speed so fast it makes your head spin. El hiperimpulsor is another means of traveling fast, using hyperspace. These technologies make travel interestelares, interplanetarios, and even intergalácticos a cinch. Be careful, though. The technology is still a little wonky, and there have been rumors of situations involving las paradojas del tiempo, with the past, present, and future all mixed up. Always perform a careful analysis of new and uncertain situations. If you should prefer to travel at normal velocity, however, watch out for los cometas and asteroids. Perhaps you remember seeing un meteoro in the form of a shooting star. Strange to think that it really is just parts of un cometa vap vaporizing in Earth's atmosphere. All that aside, it may be prudent to leave your ship's campos de fuerza up for protection. You don't want to end up looking like the moon, after all, full of craters from space debris. Now, before we move on to the cultural tip, I want to give a really quick update. And this section does include an affiliate link to Amazon. And remember, I only recommend products this way that I have bought and used myself and that I have found useful. Anyways, I want to let y'all know, because I told you I would, that my English resources library is now ready for early viewing for all Spanish Answers readers and listeners. I've included a link in the show notes and on the blog, and here are just a few quick examples of what is available. So there are podcasts like Grammar Girl, Quick and Dirty Tips for Better Writing. Grammar Girl is a fantastic resource whenever you have tricky English grammar questions. She is fantastic at breaking down these difficult questions and giving easy to understand and remember answers. So I've included a link to her blog, which also will get you to her podcast. Then there is the History of English podcast by Kevin Stroud. If you've ever wondered why English spelling and pronunciation is so weird, look no further than this awesome podcast that delves into languages history. Seriously, this is a great podcast for anyone who is a language nerd. I love it. Then the affiliate link is The Elements of Style, which is a book written by William Strunk Jr. and E.B. White. This book is my go-to reference in English writing. It's a bit academic, but it has a lot of good tips, explanations, and clarifications regarding writing, grammar, and composition. When I was writing proposals, this was always on my desk as a reference tool.
So our cultural tip, mythical creatures. Once again, drawing from Brian Cohen's The Most Famous Mythical Creatures of Every Country in the World, illustrated, and I have of course included a link to that. Here are three more mythical creatures from Spanish-speaking countries. So our first one hails from Cuba, and it's La Madre de Aguas. This is a giant, colorful snake that inhabits water. Wherever it lives, the lake or river never runs dry and is full of fish. While I have heard of one instance where it was claimed that the Madre de Aguas could turn into a beautiful woman, in Cuba, the creature is pretty much just a mythical snake. Generally speaking, this creature can live for hundreds of years and doesn't seem to be keen on attacking, although its enormous size, horns, and powerful scales make it a formidable enemy. Apparently, it can swallow a calf whole. Pretty big. Next, we have El Picudo, which is from Nicaragua. This is a weird, blood-sucking creature. El Picudo has the body of a dog and the face of a pig with a somewhat tapered snout. This animal sprays a sedative on its victims, both animal and ugh, human, in order to drain their blood without waking them while they sleep. Kind of a weird form of vampire bat, I guess, except it's dog and pig. Lastly, we have from El Salvador, La Cuyancua, also called Cuyancua, without the accent over the U, or Cuyancuat. It is a snake-like creature that has a head and torso, based on the pictures I've seen, similar to a pig. So it has two bear-like paws with enormous claws, and according to legend, its appearance represents the coming of floods or storms. The locals of Izalco lock their doors and stay inside until morning if they hear the animal's chilling cry. Should you meet the creature, you will faint and be unable to talk, albeit temporarily. Supposedly, you can also drink pure, newly created water from sources that spring up from the places where La Cuyancua sleeps. Thank you so, so much for listening. And again, I am so sorry that this is late. I am going to do my best to make sure that the rest of the year goes much more smoothly. But I hope that you enjoyed this episode. If so, please leave me a rock and review or send me an email, tell me your thoughts or suggestions for further podcast episodes. Well, that's all for today. Don't forget to check out the show notes for links to the resources I used for this episode. If you would prefer to read an approximate transcription of today's episode, you can also visit the episode's blog. I would love to help you on your Spanish journey, so if you have any questions about Spanish culture or grammar, or if you need a Spanish to English translator or language consultant, you can reach me at contact at languageanswers.com or visit my website for more information at www.languageanswers.com. Remember, learning a language is a lifelong journey. Aprovechalo, disfrútalo y compártelo. See you in two weeks. Hasta luego.